Hi, this is Adam Vass, a tabletop game designer in Glendale, California, and this is the World Camp and this is the World Champ Game Show by World Champ Game Co. It is basically a podcast feed where I can host audio and then you can have it in your podcast sourcer. Uh, I'm gonna do an actual play today of my game Cobwebs that's on Kickstarter now at tinyurl.com/slash cobwebs Kickstarter. But in the future, I imagine this channel will just be infrequent actual plays and maybe reviews and once in a while, maybe a cool announcement or interview or something. But for the most part, it won't be frequently updated. This is not a weekly show or anything like that. Just uh, an audio host for the audio stuff that we do through World Champ. So uh, without further ado, here's our first actual play recording. This is Cobwebs, the RPG. Uh... Thank you quickly to my friends Evan Sebastian and Jason Brown for playing and recording with me. Um, This is going to be a two-part episode, so this is the first part, which will take you through the overview of the game and setup and the first couple scenes. And then the rest of the game and an epilogue will be in a part two episode. So uh, thanks for checking it out, and I hope you back us on Kickstarter. Once again, it's tinyurl.com slash cobwebs kickstarter. Let's go. We're playing the Cobwebs RPG. Uh, we're there's a three. We're doing a three-player game. My name is Adam. I'm the game designer of this game, so I'll sort of help facilitate it and answer questions as we go. But uh, for the most part, this is just a gameplay thing and not uh, sort of a deeper dive into how it works. Um, if you both want to introduce yourselves too. Sure. My name is Evan Sebastian. Here to. Uh, run this actual play and see where it goes. And I'm Jason Brown. I'm a game designer in Anaheim, California, and I'm stoked to play Cobwebs. This should be, should be pretty good. Great. Um, for anyone who is unfamiliar, Cobwebs is a neo-noir investigation game with uh, paranormal and conspiratorial elements uh, inspired by podcasts like Limetown or Tannis, uh, Video Palace, also, comics like Mind Management and uh, neo-noir movies like Mute or Under the Silver Lake, where a character uh, wants to find someone or something and along the way gets much more than they bargained for and ends up sort of going down the rabbit hole of a conspiracy that brings them closer to danger. Um, so in our game, that is done by the three roles. Each of us will end up being... Each of the roles over the course of the game as these are transient and everybody has like equal say over basically everything that happens over the course of the game. The three roles, the first of which is the darling, which is our investigator. Um, they're the person who goes on the quests and tries to answer questions, conducts interviews, visits locations, etc. The main character of the story. Um, Evan, I think you should start with the okay. darling. Sure. So you get the two yellow die, and I'll give you the reference. Okay. The second role is the shadow. The shadow portrays any of the characters that the darling is interacting with in investigations. So friends, suspects, threats, um, basically all the NPCs are covered by the shadow. And I want you to 
Take that, Jason. Sweet. You also take the two green die. Lastly is the machine, and the machine is sort of uh, at, at both times the environment that the darling is uh, exploring. I'm giving a lot of flavor and like um, sort of background context to things. I can also answer questions like if you open a drawer and you want to know what's in there, I'm the person who tells you what's in there. Um, of course, you can say it because this is a storytelling game and not necessarily one that's being run by the machine. If you say, I open the drawer to find blank, that's just what you find. Um, I'll probably say it a lot of times, but everyone has that power to just make calls in any moment. Um, it's rare, but there is a system if there are players who disagree on things that should be found or should happen, um, where we roll dice in a competition. I've actually never had it happen. <laughs> it's built in for what I think would be like uh, playing at a convention or playing with people that you're a little bit less familiar with. Sure. But okay. in a group of people who know each other fairly well, I don't think that'll really happen very much. Additionally, the machine would perform as any characters who are not vital to the story. Uh, so those that are not covered by the Darling in the Shadow, um, I'm thinking of like even like not even an NPC, like something more tertiary than that, like a clerk at a store, or um, not named characters, that sort of thing. Um, I can act as them when necessary. Lastly, the last machine responsibility is to sort of be the director. So as we're coming up with scene information that's an aggregate of the playmat and the dice rolls, um, the machine's job is to kind of put them all together and then begin and end the scene. Uh, let you explore it and do whatever you want inside of it, but use all the information that's generated from the randomizers to make a cohesive story moment. Um, so those are the three rolls, and we each have our own die. I took a d12. We're ready to start with the scenario. So, in some games we could write it off the top of our heads. Um, I would offer a sentence, you would offer the next sentence, you would offer the next sentence. All in first person as the darling. Um, generally thought of as like the introduction to a podcast or a diary entry or any kind of um, monologue that would be given with or without an audience. So they're sort of just like framing their thoughts and talking about uh, the situation in which someone that they know or care about has gone missing, who is the missing. Um, but we're going to be using a pre-made scenario that I wrote yesterday, and there will be, you know, a dozen pre-made scenarios available through the campaign. That These have the sentences already, but there are certain things where we'll fill in the blanks and still make it customized. What we'll do is we'll still go sentence by sentence in a clockwise circle, um, just reading the next sentence. But where you see a parentheses that have multiple options, uh, if it's your turn and the sentence has options, just choose one. Um, so Evan, since you're beginning as the darling, why don't you start with the first sentence?
Haunted Oath is the heaviest fucking metal band on the planet. Yeah, Haunted Oath. I used a metal na band name generator for this, <laughs> but, they were, but everything <laughs> I saw was really good. I've been a huge fan ever since my older brother, Chris, showed me their first album. They're an even bigger fan than me. Has all the records on vinyl, got the logo tattooed on their chest, everything. So of course, we were fucking pumped when the band announced a show at the annual metal festival in the desert. Got tickets right away. The show was nuts. Tons of people in the pit and at the bar. They must have sold too many tickets, but they let everyone in anyway. I figured Chris was working their way towards the front. We got separated in the first song. An hour of blast beats and bad beers later, I was stumbling out the door alone. So figured I'd catch up with Chris at home, but their bed was empty. I didn't notice till morning the bloody footprints that were the first moment I realized something is up. A week later, and still nothing. I know this sounds dumb, but I think the music has something to do with it. The band's old guitar player supposedly works at the vegan cafe downtown. They might know what goes on backstage. I could revisit the venue, too, if they let me in. And I can't believe I'm saying this. Maybe somebody at the local church can offer some advice. Yeah, I'm now desperate enough to step foot in a church if it means bringing Chris home. Pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm so stoked to talk to the old guitar player of this band. <laughs> So that brings us to the next step, which is generating leads. Um, leads are things that we learn more about over the course of play. Um, they can take, they, they exist as people, uh, as items, and as locations. So obviously the, the pre-made kind of uh, gives you a couple for free and pushes you in the direction of maybe a couple more. But each of us will then make uh, a location, an item, and a person. So we're going to write those down on index cards. And are these and allowed to be influenced by what we just read? Like, can we use the old guitar player as one of them? For sure. Okay. Some, of, some of them you should. Like, some of them the scenarios are kind of built in to offer you these things, so you're not drawing them full cloth. But then again, if you made your own scenario and some of that information was missing from your monologue, mm -hmm. you would use this opportunity to sort of build out some options at the start of the game. And then, naturally, over the course of the game, there are some that you end up caring a lot about and some that you care less about and they sort of fall by the wayside. Um, as we play two, new ones will come up and some of these will get maybe fully resolved so you don't actually investigate them further after a certain point. Mm -hmm. um, except for people, which work differently that uses this second, the left half of the playmat, and we'll get into that when we are further along. Generally, this is done, um, each of us individually, and then we just throw all the stuff out. But because we're using this scenario, and some of the things are like fairly obvious, I think old guitar player definitely is one of the people. And the venue, or the desert, the music festival, uh, is, a, is another very obvious location that we should definitely include. Uh, I think maybe we brainstorm, brainstorm these together so we don't have uh, multiples okay. of the same thing. Okay, location, item, person. Yeah. I'm definitely going to take the first person, just because I, I did latch onto the old guitar player. Um, so do I just need a name? 
Yeah. Yeah, you would... For now, just... Well, also, people uh, are tent cards, like this, because they stand up and move around on the playmat. Whereas locations and items are around the playmat, but they don't actually have a, a static place to go. While you're doing that, I'm going to add... Uh, so these are things that we're conceiving of. We aren't reaching yeah. consensus. Okay, cool. I'm going to add a location that is uh, the local record store. Are we meant to share them between each other, or are these personal leads that you, we'll you, start investigating? They're all options that are available when the darling starts the scene setup. Okay. But because we're using a pre-made scenario, and some of them are like, Pretty obvious that we want to use those. Sure. Um, I figured we would do them kind of collaboratively, but also just like take initiative as much as you want. But obviously, since Jason's writing down the old guitar player, I wouldn't write that down for a person too, because then we'd have doubles. Okay. So the local record store. Uh, I'm gonna call it Dead Wax. After uh, there's a series on Shutter that's very that's called Dead Wax. That's very much <laughs> like this. Um, an investigation that goes too far. But it's also just a cool record name, record store name. And then what was your location? I opted for the local church. Nice. The Advent of the Christ, specifically. <laughs> I think, unless you have one in mind, the site of the festival is I one think, that, yeah. That yeah, I think maybe all that's even left there is just like the, the tour bus or something. Yeah, it's um, because I like that one being different, like, the festival in the desert, because it's not over. like they set up and leave it there, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's been a week, uh, we said, in the scenario, so... I'll put location. You can decide what's there later. Sure. For item, I'm gonna put, uh, the new Haunted Oath LP. I guess I'm kind of theming my shit, but these don't necessarily have to be related. Yeah, I'm kind of... Just given the the scenario that we're presented with, I'm I chose Father Melvin, the pastor at the local church, as cool starting point. Great. So, yeah, I think the festival was hosted at the Big Sand Campground out in the desert. I'm gonna curveball it and just and put uh, I'm putting our mom, Sandra. All right, for my item. Uh, I wrote a flyer for a local evangelist camp that will take place on the festival grounds Ooh. the week following. <laughs> That's great. That rules. Uh, so items and locations, kind of just anywhere around the playmat so that we can see them and not forget about them. Okay. Uh, people are all these tents. Right now they kind of exist off of the, the grid, but they will go along these lines and in these spaces. Um, Obviously, this is a, a silly thing to describe in audio when it's a very visual medium. But there's the three concentric circles go that get smaller towards the center, and those represent how close the person is to danger. So whether that's because they are dangerous or because the danger is approaching them is very subjective. Mm -hmm. um, that might reveal itself over the story. Um, there's also this radial degree where at 6 o'clock they're an ally and at 12 o'clock they're a threat. Um, and those are trisected, so there's three different areas. So the shadow, 
when you portray these people and the scene ends, mm -hmm. you take the person that you just portrayed and you put them, you, you're going to move them one adjacent space, either closer to danger, if you double down and they're, if they're an ally and they're still an ally, mm -hmm. they're getting closer to danger. If they're an ally and they're starting to act sketchy, you move in the radial degree to suspect. Interesting. Um, so that happens at the end of every scene. Okay. So naturally, they can move back and forth, but more more likely they're going to move towards the center. Um, what if you're a character that you're um, interacting with gives you information pertaining to another character? So like say your guitar player gives you info i saw chris's mom so that's a good question most of that sort of thing comes from the darling's dice roll during scene setup okay so you'll see on your reference um you're gonna roll two d6 and at the front half of the game you have to use the lower value okay um eventually when the danger starts to escalate you get to choose which value you want so in the start, you're going to be develop. You're going to be creating more new leads. So that is a great example of creating a new lead. A character telling you, "Here's something I know that you might want to learn more about." Whether that's an item, location, a person. Those are all leads. Okay. Um, developing information, which is the three or four, I think. Mm -hmm. um, that's right. You're going to take. You're going to and learn new things about an existing lead. Since you know this at the start of the scene, it's going to frame the way that you act and those questions that you ask and that sort of thing. So if you know that you're developing new information and you have this torched guitar string, you're going to target your investigation on that, likely learn something about it, and then at the scene's end, you're going to write a note about it on the card. Okay. The last result, 5-6, is to establish the truth. That's when you close the folder on something, which is why it's not likely to happen in the start of the game. Right. Um, you've learned all that you can learn or all that you want to learn about a particular thing. You sum it up. Again, you write it on the card. Say, like, the torch guitar string was what, whatever it was. And then you don't... You can... You don't investigate it anymore. It can still work in, in your story, but it's not something that you treat as a lead anymore. Sure. Understood. Okay. Um, the one exception here is new characters can be introduced as we see fit. Mm. Um, the, because dice will tell you when you're making a new lead, but sometimes if you just need another yeah. character to talk to, then that person just exists and you weren't, you still do the thing that you want to do, but people can come and go as we need them to. Okay. So what I'm seeing right now, we have in front of us the play mat, which is this circle which has a lot of uh, spots for the different characters and, and roles, and then we have all of our items and locations and characters on note cards. Yes. Um, we have the danger tokens that are off to the side. There are six of those, and right now we have zero danger, so that's why they're off to the side. But they'll go in the center of the playmat when we start using them. We also have the time token, where these numbers that go around the, the circle on the playmat, um, like a clock, we keep track of how many scenes we've done, because there is a maximum of 12. If we do 12 scenes, that's when the game ends, if the danger hasn't got there first. Mm -hmm. Two more things for setup. One, our character needs a name, because uh, we'll be in conversation with them 
quite a lot and need a way to refer to them. Um, we know our mom's name is Sandra. Our brother's name is Chris. Mercedes. Mercedes. Do we want or need a last name? My probably wouldn't hurt to have. I think we need one, yeah. <laughs> um. Mercedes, let's just put Jones. Mercedes Jones is us. The other thing that we need is sort of an optional thing, and it's like a lead, but you never investigate it. It's called a motif. Um, in the Blair Witch, it would be like the little stick men. Mm -hmm. um, in Twin Peaks, it might be the owls. Um, these things just are around and add to the eeriness, but aren't really ever answered and just are sort of flavor that keep coming up. Mm -hmm. um, I think for this scenario, I think it's either a symbol, then we just will draw it on the card and keep it around, um, or it's like a lyric or something that's like particularly brutal. Okay. Give me a second to think on that. I mean, <laughs> this could be fun. We're playing... What's the, what's the uh, place I called again? Uh, black Metal... Uh, black Metal Kidnapping. Black Metal Kidnapping. <laughs> I think we have to have a lyric, right? Yeah. I, I'm down with that. So, you know what? I don't even care. I'm going to go to the uh, Black Metal Cats Twitter account <laughs> and just take one from the top. That's great. Uh, Alright, okay, this is great. This is just the newest post from Black Metal Cats. Black clouds obscure the moon, and with darkness comes death. And this is just something that can be returned to throughout, you said? It's mostly a flavor thing. Sure. Maybe, yeah, I mean, there, there's no real rules for it, except for, here it is, we all see it. It will make things good and creepy as we go on. <laughs> okay. if, if someone says it, or if you read it, or if it's just like a thing that's stuck in your head. Obviously, different motifs, if it was like a physical thing, or an animal, they act very differently. Mm -hmm. um, but they're they're very much there for flavor. Is there like a narrative impact of danger where things just yes. are more dangerous as you get more danger tokens? Yeah, the, ma the machine rolls... So everyone rolls the dice at the same time, which is before <clears throat> the scene begins. Okay. And you're using that information to set up and then act out the scene. Um, so the machine knows before that process, whether danger is or is not a part of the subsequent scene. Mm -hmm. um, what that danger looks like obviously changes depending on context. So it might be a person, it might be an environmental thing, it might be the weather, you know. Um, it depends where we are and mm -hmm. what's happening in the story. Okay. Not everyone is able, ah, not everyone a is able to know everything at the same time. Mm -hmm. I forgot a major thing that is <laughs> like, how the, game, the, <laughs> yeah. started me. how the game works, basically. We each need one more card. This one will be private. Okay. And you're not going to want to take up a ton of room. You're going to want to put, like, on the top line. Because you're going to amend it a bunch of times. This is your theory. Theories are kind of the core of how we answer questions in this game. And we're each going to have our own theory, and that theory is going to be private. After each scene, you amend your theory with the information that you just learned, and mm -hmm. we go on. So the theory is going to evolve and adapt over the course of the game. Mm -hmm. But the theory is what you, th where you think the missing is, or what you think happened to them, or or whatever. This is um, the solution to the mystery. Mm -hmm. But because all of us are writing our own, and it's private, and we obviously can't know what is twelve scenes away, um, these will change quite a bit. 
but the end result will be something that's impacted by each of our individual theories and end up being something greater than the sum of its parts. It will be something that none of us, three of us, started with, but we ended up with together. Mm-hmm. So, well, and is this this is us as players making this correct? Making this theory, and yes. it can be as wild as we want. It can be as wild as you want. Um, start. It's something that's worth discussing with your play group if you're playing for the first time. If you want a particular experience, if you want, and this is also probably where uh, some safety tools might come into play. Mm-hmm. Specifically, I'm thinking if someone was playing with the theory of like an alien abduction, and you didn't want to play a paranormal game, that would be very unsatisfying later mm-hmm. on to have mm-hmm. UFO stuff. So you want to make sure you're on the same page. Um, I think this scenario kind of cooks it in a little bit. Um, that it explicitly says in the scenario that music has something to do with it, so we know that much, which mm-hmm. is more than some scenarios might offer. Um, also because we're going with like a metal play set, like cults, demonic shit, everything, I think I would like that on the table, because that was sort of the guided um, push for this scenario, is like a cult seems like a, a pretty... Yeah, I already got the church involved. Right. <laughs> it seems like where you, where this would go. But that doesn't mean you have to, or that you should. Again, everyone's just making up their own. It could be a crazy coincidence that two or three of us have the same idea. Yeah. But the, the likelihood of that is very low. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, whatever you want it to be. I actually, because this is a recording and I want it to be like as pure of a gameplay experience... Um, I'm not personally going to say that there's anything off-limits in terms of paranormal or not paranormal um, or horror or anything. Like, you can... Mm-hmm. Your theory can be whatever. I'm not going to say, like, no vampires, no whatever. Um, if there's anything that either of the two of you, like, explicitly don't want the theories to be, it's worth mentioning. But if you're along for the ride... Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. Just I'm already thinking of how wild I can make it. Uh, while we're doing this too, I'll mention at the end of every scene, everyone updates their theory. You don't ever just cross the whole thing out and start fresh, though. You want to make small, like, incremental changes to your theory, even if you know it's full-on wrong, because it will always, like, put, just pull the rope in a slightly different direction. And the goal is for all of our theories to sort of average out and meet in the middle by the end. But you don't want to adapt to other people's theories too fast. Mm-hmm. So whether that means just crossing out a couple words and replacing them or, you know, um, swapping out a proper noun in your sentence for one that you've learned over the investigation, etc. Um, the theories kind of inch towards a finale instead of trying to beat the game there. Let's roll dice. Yeah. So I first rolled one of my dice into the direct center. <laughs> yeah, so I, I rolled another uh, danger roll, but in the first scene, there is no danger, so it's okay. Um, I don't know how much I want to reveal for actual play reasons, because I think it will skew the way that we act. Because, like, right now, 
looking at these roles, I know what the Darling's goal is, and I know that the way that the Shadow is going to treat them, those are things that are dictated by the dice. But I don't really want you two to know those things all the time, because it, it will shift. It's the difference between playing for an audience and playing for ourselves. Definitely. So I'd rather just play for ourselves. Uh, I'm playing the Shadow, and I rolled a 2. I am playing the Darling Mercedes and rolled a 5. You also rolled in the interior, so you can change that value if you want. By rolling again? By changing it to whatever you want it to be. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the interior is the Darling's choice. Okay. That makes sense. So, that being the case, I'd like to change to a 2. Okay. Um, also, the Darling gets to choose which of the leads they're interested in to pursue. Um, location, item. You can choose a person if you want, but also I, I choose with the rest of the information. I tell the shadow who they're going to portray as the machine. Sure. So I would say choose an item or location, and I'll choose the person that makes the most sense. But because the people we have right now are so explicit, uh, it'll be pretty obvious. Okay. So... In this case, then, the shadow will be portraying our mom, Sandra. I should mention, too, we'll, we'll go with the research slice. Okay. Because that's the only one that ended up with a die in it. Okay. Um, generally speaking, you have to get in the scene area to prompt a scene. But as long as there's at least one die in there, I can work with that. So we're going... So this scene type is a research scene. Okay. So let's go with the item, which is our... Uh, new Haunted Oath LP on vinyl. Cool. You don't need to take this or move it or anything, that, but I'm going to give it to you because at the end of the scene you're going to write something new on there. Right. Okay. Um, and I want... I think you should... Hmm. I'm going to stay away from the, the, the listed locations for now. Actually, I'll give you one. I think I want you to take the record to the church and you'll be Father Melvin. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'm going to change my mind because I feel like this is not what Mercedes does the first thing, right? <laughs> this is, in the scenario, almost a joke to them. Um, so instead, I want... Uh, I'm going to have it take place at the record store. So I'm also going to hand that to you, Evan, because... It, you can the the thing that your die told you that you're gonna do mm -hmm. um, could apply to either of those things now, either lead, um, and I'll have you portray Sandra, the mom. So, Chris has been missing for a week. Mercedes and Chris live together. Um, I get let's say it's in their familial home because then it would make sense too that Sandra is aware, and I think Sandra is somewhat of a typical conservative suburban mom uh, doesn't quite know how she ended up with two metalhead kids <laughs> and doesn't super know how to relate to them tries and fails you know um, I think is kind of at this point I'm picturing at least Chris and Mercedes are both at least 21 mm -hmm. because this was a festival where there was alcohol so um they both still live at home, and Sandra's not hyper-present. 
but is there, is around. She just works and has a different lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I think both Mercedes and Chris are probably night owls. She has to be up early. Yeah. Uh, so this is the weekend now. The show happened last weekend. It was a three-day festival, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Today is now Saturday. Sandra's aware that Chris has been missing, but kind of writes it off as, you know, he's out on a bender or... At somebody else's friend's house or something. It doesn't. Yeah. He, he's more than capable of taking care of himself. Yeah. So, Mercedes, you've made your mom aware that the bands that you were going to see... Uh, and, and as much as she has context for, obviously, she she's not in the metal realm. Um, they were like evil shit, right? Like sigils all over their album art, uh, the kind of stuff that moms don't want to know that the kids are into. <laughs> and f for whatever reason, because the because Mercedes is convinced that music is a factor in this disappearance, uh, she shows the Haunted Oath LP to her mom. And her mom's like, where did you even get this? Like, what are you do? Why are you spending your money on this? And the answer is, I got this at Dead Wax. Uh, and so you're going to go, your mom's going to take you uh, to the record store with the record in hand so that she can try to contextualize this, like, thing that you're thinking about. Um if for no other reason than to calm your nerves because she doesn't seem too chuffed that Chris hasn't come home. So, uh, let's say you don't really talk on the drive over, so the scene will take place uh, fully in at the record store, at Dead Wax. Alright, Mom, this is it. This is Dead Wax. It's a little bit run down, isn't it? Isn't there a nicer record store in town somewhere? Yeah, I mean, I guess, but that's not the kind of music I'm into. I mean, this has what I'm listening to right now. I mean, there's a lot of music. I, I'm sure you could find something. Uh, fine, fine, let's go in. It's Mom, they put on shows. They're, like, they're supporting the scene, Mom. You just don't get it. I... I get music, Mercedes. I understand. Like, I love the Bee Gees. Like, I understand. I'm passionate <laughs> about music. But, uh, all right. I mean, just go just on. come inside. Yeah, it, it looks so. It looks iffy from the outside, but Chris took I you here. here. I think as soon as you say it looks iffy from the outside, you swing the door open. You hear the little bell ring, and and you're like confronted with this wall of sound like they're playing grindcore at, at like <laughs> a loud volume it is almost, in, almost in a cartoony way where like your hair is gonna go back <laughs> and it's not nicer on the inside there's like gig posters and like tattered up LP jackets that come there's no exposed wall but you're sure if there was there would be asbestos back there like it's for the best that you can't see um and you know, there's only maybe six rows of LPs. Um, it's not very well lit, it's like a flickering fluorescent bulb. And you see, um, I'm gonna make a new character. And as you introduce characters, then you, as the machine, will be responsible for playing them in the scenes if interacted with. 
Um, yes. Or are they out of the question for interaction? Or am I also playing them? Some don't matter. Um, so I guess it's premature to make the card, but I think this person's going to be important, which is why I'm making the card. Um, but if the, in the event that this was just like a, a guy or a person that doesn't matter, I wouldn't make a card, I would portray them. Um, because you don't want to end up having a conversation with yourself, mm -hmm. uh, I'll probably take this one for now. That's fine. But later on, the shadow could would portray the single person. out one or the other. Okay. Yeah. Behind the counter is Wile, the owner of the record shop. And as we walk in, I and Mercedes give him give Wile a head nod, unspoken, just a suck. And nod. he's older and like not in good shape. Has the horseshoe bald pattern, and the fluorescent flickering bulb is sort of like reflecting off of his chrome dome and <laughs> as he moves and he's like rifling through LP jackets too it's making almost like a like a laser pointer style like distraction that goes along the ceiling like a cat would just start a paw at this light <laughs> that's a very reflective head <laughs> uh, and he doesn't really look up from what he's doing but sees that people are there and this is not the kind of store that you get foot traffic in so it must be a regular and he just sort of grunts uh, and keeps flipping through records. Mercedes, honey? Mercedes! What's up, Mom? Can I just bring you here? I mean, we came here all the time together. Oh, oh no. That's fine. It's, it's alright. Just, let's, let's look around a little bit. I look around and I feel very out of place, just clutching my purse a little bit. Uh, you see, like, two rats gnawing on the cardboard God. of, like, some wet LPs that <laughs> fell through behind the bins. Um, yeah, you're just in a place that it does not make you feel comfortable. Yeah. yeah. I, I walk up to the first row of LPs and start rifling through, and I notice, huh, while, where are all of the Haunted Oath LPs? Haunted who? Haunted Oath? No, honey, I think it was, um, Haunting Oath? I think it was Haunting Oath. You have the record. Just look at it. <laughs> I can't tell what this says. Can't read it. It's, Mercedes. It's all you know. It's white on a black LP, and yeah. it is the explicit like death metal style. The grungiest that you title. Read. You you can't read it. No, no one here can read it. Uh, and while I was just like, never heard of him. How strange. That I was just in here two weeks ago. Um. No. Um, sir, here, look, look at this. It definitely says Haunting Oath. Uh, sure, he'll, like, grab the LP jacket from your hand. Haunted Oath. Oath. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. What, you, this record rips, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's brutal. And I throw up devil <laughs> Uh, so a thing that's happening that I'm realizing is a little bit of a hang-up, uh, in terms of mechanics is uh while won't be the one who gives you answers here mm -hmm. so you either have to okay. find them on your own or get them from sandra because those your dice tell you certain things mine don't so i don't want to um okay step on toes as while sure so while's present but while's kind of aloof okay I think Sandra has wandered over to, like, the most well-lit pile of LPs, <laughs> just to f flick through them. I love 
I love that they're a pile and not like in a bin. <laughs> yes, full oh, no, on absolutely. a stack. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and she just like rifles through the top ones and pulls one out and says, um, "Mercedes, is this is this another one by the same band?" And I pull out another LP and it's not the same band, but there is a really similar symbol on on the front, um, and it's a moon, uh, like covered in. Uh, clouds. At least okay. the 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 symbol's the same. Yeah, yeah. No, I I don't think I've actually seen that one before. Let me see that. And I I take the record and I'm again confused by the obscure font. But looking on the back and I do notice the same symbology, which is unsettling. But I can't really make any connections at this point. Um, I bring it up to Weil and ask, like, Hey, Weil, do you know when these records came in? Uh, he, like, squints over at it, just, like, judging from the, the wear and tear on it. It's like, a couple months, maybe? I don't know. Uh, would you get it from the pile? Yes, this pile right here. Uh, actually, those those are a little bit newer. I, I, think, uh, I think the distro brought it through when they, they were here for the fest. Huh. Okay. Honey, remember so I, I had that doctor's appointment? Uh, says Sandra <laughs> as she kind of edges towards the door. All right, Mom. Well, so I guess how I'm wondering how do we reach a conclusion in a scene? Like do when I... the darling has done the thing that they want to do or need to do. But that's um, entirely up to the darling, so they can call the scene whenever, kind of. The machine can also... Um, but I'm not, I feel like you're after something, and so I was letting you go for it. Um, whether that thing is this new record, if, if that was the case, then the scene, scene would probably just end here. Um, if there's more that you want to know, I would say uh, maybe if the mom left you alone at the record store, mm -hmm. then you could sort of just like think out loud and find a thing that you're looking for in terms of mechanics because I'll, I'll say too because of your role you're wanting to establish a new lead right so whether that's a new item or location um it can be a new person it could be while uh and i am playing him kind of dumb because again i don't want to i don't want to be the shadow right now but um right because what i'm thinking <clears throat> is like sandra's not going to really be able to give me much in the way of a... Yeah, not more than I've already given it. Yeah, because I, so I think research more so happens when you rifle through the records and discover something on your own. Okay. So in that... I can go wait in the car and like... <laughs> sure, sure. Leaving you to your devices, I think, might be the best thing. And then in that case, you would just sort of explain to us what the, the new lead is or how you find it or whatever. Oh, okay. Like I actually deliver that information to you. You can. Any, anyone can at any time. Um, and again, it's subjective, so if it was the record that Sandra pulled from the pile, then that's a thing. Um, if, I, again, Wilde could have spilled some beans, and I'm kind of deliberately not doing so, mm -hmm. but another player could easily just say so. Um, but I think it seemed like you were onto something specific, so yeah. then that's just like a player thing. Like, I would then kind of hold back and wait for you to get there. Um, okay. 
Yeah, because I, th I think the reason I'm getting at this is because I feel like I'm trying to build the scene, but I got what I wanted. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wonder if it would be valuable if there's like a like a nonverbal cue for like the darling has accomplished their goal. And then we're sort of uh, now looking for the logical conclusion of a scene. Okay. Because then, yeah. So uh, for for the rest of the game, and I might write this in, um, just like raise pick, a hand. Pick up your dice. From the... That's good. Yeah, pick up your dice as the darling. As soon as you've done what you needed to do, mm -hmm. the scene can continue past that. Um, but like, look for an off ramp. Look for an off ramp, and the machine, I think, specifically would do that as the sort of director of the scene. Mm -hmm. Okay. Whether that's cooling down or. A cliffhanger or whatever makes most sense in the story okay all right well so back on then i'll retrieve my dice great yeah mom i know you have to get to your doctor's appointment you won't shut up about it just give me one Mercedes. more minute i'll be in and i'll be out in a minute fine hurry up i'll be in the car okay i'll see you in a sec i think and now i can go when ahead. Uh, you, you go outside, mm -hmm. and when the door, like, swings open and closes again, the flickering fluorescent bulb just goes out, <laughs> and you're in a, like, it's just a black screen, but the ground core is still playing. Uh, and then that'll be the end of the scene. Nice. Okay, so now... Yeah, why don't you spill what your dice told you to do? And we won't do this for the whole game, but it's good for the start. Sure. So, in rolling a two, my goal for this scene was to establish a new lead within the context of doing research. So, what is the... So, you make a new card for that lead, too. Okay. And uh, as the shadow, I rolled a two, and that put me as an ally for the darling, which makes sense. I'm your mom. I'm not going to be your enemy, at least from the start. Um, a thing that I talk about in the rules is that because the circumstances can be dire. Um, not everyone acts in the way that you think they're supposed to act all the time. Mm -hmm. So mom could be sketchy because she doesn't know how to cope with her son disappearing. Yeah. I mean, mom, enemy could be her like trying to keep Mercedes in because right. Chris disappeared. Or mom could straight up act threatening yeah. for the same reason if she's trying to be protective in like a mama bear kind of way. Mm -hmm. Or she might have something to do with it and that's information you'll yeah. explore later. Yeah. So no one is explicitly trustworthy. No one is explicitly dangerous. In the same way, someone you think is dangerous might be friendly to you because maybe they're not actually dangerous or maybe they're playing you. So the shadow's dice will always kind of dictate an attitude, but the attitude might be incongruent with what you think the, the character is, mm -hmm. and that's part of the fun. Yeah. Um, so... We're now in the in the post scene of each of our roles, and mine is fairly easy. I'm moving up the time token by one, uh, and then I'm gonna alter my theory. Um, yours, Jason, as the shadow, is you're gonna move Sandra's tent card on the playmat. Um, at the start of the game, all the characters exist off of the rings, and you've placed her on the outermost ring of the ally area, which mm -hmm. obviously makes the most sense. Now, could I put her somewhere other than ally, even though I rolled ally? Yes. Okay. Um, I, I still think that's true, but... You can 
only ever move one adjacent space, but at the start, because they're off, you just move to any of the one okay. of the, the outside of the third ring. That's interesting. So my role was how I act, not necessarily who I am. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Your theory might shape that information. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. And it might not have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. And that's also sort of the machine purview of choosing which character the shadow acts as. Um... Because obviously that would be a much different scene if you were if you were wild. Yeah, definitely. Sweet. Um, and Evan, you're you're establishing a new lead. Um, why don't you tell us what that is? Okay, so the discovered lead in this scene was the symbol that appeared on both records. Cool. Um, so am I allowed to say other things too? Because like for me, it was significant that there are no longer any haunted oath LPs in the store, and that it was unexplained. Um, but should we leave that information out because that's not directly what I was? Yes. Invest- okay. Exactly. Because if you had rolled a three or four and you were developing in- information on an existing lead, you might you would write that on the new haunted oath LP underneath. You might write. Oh, I see completely out of stock or sure. like no record of having bought this okay. or ah. something like that. So, okay. Um, and because you rolled in the inner circle and yours was wild, you could have done that. You could have changed it to be that if you wanted to. Right. You can, the wild, you can obviously do a lot of things. That's what wild is. Um, so you have a new lead. It joins the collection around the play mat. The last thing we're each going to amend our uh, theories. Okay. So we'll do that uh, quietly, <laughs> in private, basically, because this is not something that you share. Uh, and then we're each going to pass our rules reference and dice uh, to the next person clockwise, which means that Evan will be the machine, Jason will be the darling, and I will be the shadow. So the darling rolled into the center again. Which prompted another machine roll, but because time is only at two, we don't have any danger still. Um, Correct. Because there is a die in the conduct interview or research slice machine, you get to choose which one of those you want to pursue. Um, I would say that because you're kind of in both here, that you could maybe go wild. Um, Otherwise you have the one that you would want to because you have the three options. I have to choose the lowest anyway. So You're right. So yeah, I yeah. have to take the one. Yeah. So, and then I'm going to choose two available leads of different types and tell you my choices. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Did I choose two? Because last time I think we only chose one. And then uh, the machine chose the other one. You're right. The darling should choose both. Okay. Awesome. At the venue. Okay. <laughs> so you choose, the machine chooses for the shadow which character to portray, but since 
the darling chose a character as one of the leads. Right. It's probably that. Okay. Big Sand Campground Festification. Okay, so after leaving uh, Dead Wax, uh, Mercedes, you dropped your mom off at her doctor appointment and feeling a little bit... Uh, you have kind of a, a rising anxiety at this point. You're you're uncertain of what's going on and you feel like there might be something more to it than has been clear up to until this point. And so you decide to drive out to the fest grounds. Um, it's kind of off on a... So there's one road through town. Um, as you start to leave town and get out to the more abandoned areas of the desert, um, you see large white tents off in the distance. Um, there's an incoming church gathering. So much in the way that Coachella is uh, followed up by Stagecoach. It's, it's kind of in that transition phase. Yeah. So you're approaching the grounds and you see workers in hard hats and safety harnesses um, kind of building out the stages and tents. But they're all busy at work, chatting amongst themselves. Um, you notice kind of in a common area at the center of the tents, you see Father Melvin. Um, you're aware of him because you and Chris were both pushed into church as children. Mm -hmm. um, he was influential in your upbringing, but frankly, the two of you haven't really been around church all that often. Yeah. But you do notice him, and so you're, you're drawn to him. You decide to talk to him and see what's up. Um, just in case it wasn't made clear, we'll be acting in the, the research. This, so you'll be conducting I, research in this one. Or did you... The machine gets to choose, but I think because you're explicitly oh, staging a conversation a here, sure. it might be a conduct interview. And since those are both options that are available to you, because they both have dice in them, sure. it might make more sense. And again, these don't super matter, and there's... They're open to interpret in whatever way you want. Right. Okay. Um, I think... That makes sense. Yeah. Because it's conversation-focused, whereas research, I picture uh, um, more as learning about things in, in a way without direct communication. Okay. But it doesn't really matter. Okay. We'll go with conduct interview then. I think that's going to make more sense. Um, so Father Melvin is a mousy-looking fella, um, dressed head to toe in black, very distinguishing against uh, against his like tightly combed back hair, uh, very large, kind of magnifying eyeglasses, um, and you see him just kind of nervously conversing with um, the crew on site. Yeah, I think Mercedes came to the campground uh, just to step through everything that happened again to uh, remember what the night was like and when she uh, got separated from Chris and see if she can try to remember where he went or explain anything. Um, but on seeing Father Melvin, uh, she knows he's really nosy and thinks he's a, probably a good person to ask about, hey, Father Melvin, did you find any anything weird here at the uh, campgrounds as you're setting up for this, this big event? Um, so yeah, I think I walk up. <clears throat> oh, Miss Jones, I did not expect to see you out here. What are you doing on mm -hmm. this fine day? Hi, 
uh, Father, long time no see. Um, how are you? Oh, I'm just dandy. We're just setting up for the the big festival coming up. Uh, just, you know, getting our hands dirty and doing the Lord's work out here. Ne- hopefully next weekend we can out have... You're not... You're not coming, are you? To the... To the... Family Fest? <laughs> mm. uh, Father Velvet, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit more of a, a music fan myself. I was actually here... Well, we're gonna have music. Oh, not that kind of music, Father Melvin. Uh, uh, I didn't think so. No, sorry. Um, I, I was here last weekend for the... Uh, the... Haunted Oath. Uh, actually, I guess it was a... Uh, it was a festival. Just a festival. festival. I was here for the... I was here for the metal fest last weekend. Um, came to see if I had left anything. Uh, don't really remember what happened at the end of the night. So, uh, oh, it was one of one of those kind of festivals, huh? And you you yeah, look around and them? see a lot of empty beer. Yeah, they're still yeah, on yeah. a week later, but they're still <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, all I all I've really found left over from the metal festival is. Kind of, Evidence of sin everywhere. Not nothing that you're gonna want to dig through. Um, do you have like a collection pile for the sin, Father Melvin? Is there somewhere? Yeah, I call it the garbage can. <laughs> uh, just points over, and there's just like there's the rented like rubber garbage cans everywhere. And there's tons of them. I mean, this is a huge facility. Yeah. Not not facility. It's just the desert, but like the the metal fest was huge, mm-hmm. and the Family Fest is going to be huge, too. Yeah. I think Mercedes looks over at the trash can, thinks about trying to dig through the <laughs> trash for clues, and, um, like, turns back to Father Melvin. Um, sorry, uh, you were, what's the Family Fest? I don't think I've heard too much about it. Oh, we put flyers up all over town. I'm surprised you haven't seen any of them, but, you know, we're going to have some music and have some speakers and uh you know people of all ages and creeds are welcome we're just gonna come out here and you know uh connect with one another and have have like a very pure experience together you know uh connect it's really it's all about family like the family you're born with and the family that you find that sounds real nice father you remember my brother, right? Oh, young Christian, of course I do. Uh, yeah, Chris, he's a... <laughs> no one has called him Christian in 20 right. years. So, um, yeah, Chris, he's a real family guy. He's um, been living at home the past couple of years. Uh, <laughs> he's a real family guy. He lives with his mom. Yeah. We, <laughs> we actually haven't seen him in a few days, though. Uh, not since the... The festival. I thought he maybe went home with some friends. But, well, uh, that's the sort of thing that happens to people who partake in the revelry of sin. I just to the biggest stink guy at this priest saying <laughs> he deserved wish, it. <laughs> I wish I could help you, but uh, you know, you reap what you sow. I'm sorry. As, I, at a pause in <laughs> conversation, you take kind of a glance around to take in more of your surroundings, and you see a large uh, flatbed truck backing up, and on it is a giant wooden cross, bigger than you've ever seen. 
and there's a crew starting to back it in, um, to erect it in the middle of the grounds. I'm sorry, Father, are you implying that Chris sowed something that he deserved to reap? Um, just... Have you talked to him in a few years? Uh, n- no. He, uh, of course not. He doesn't seem like the kind of person who would come in and talk to Father on a Sunday morning and just, just like yourself. And... Aren't you yeah. supposed to be doing outreach, though? He, he looks up, yeah. uh, and it's like, you know, a, a, a cloudless sky, but when you can see the moon in daytime, and there's just, like, a couple wispy, like, clouds uh, that start to cover, like, you, you know when it's really bright out and the cloud covers the sun, you can see, like, the darkness on the ground? Mm-hmm. Um, he looks up as you're both sort of, like, cast in shadow, and you can see, like, the, the clouds covering the, the daytime moon and a little bit of the sun. Mm-hmm. And he's just, like, squinting around, like, not really minding you anymore. Or, or I guess as much. Mm-hmm. He's starting to start to get distracted. Well, uh, why don't you back up a little bit? You don't want to get run over. You want to get your toes hit by this truck. It's... Would you look at that? At, at the big cross, just like... <laughs> Some fine craftsmanship right there. Jesus, how much did that cost? I mean, uh, what? So, excuse me, Miss Jones. <laughs> this is a this is a holy site that you're standing on right now. I, the least I can do is ask you to treat it with some respect. Sorry, a, a holy site? This is a campground. I blessed this site as soon as I walked in, and it's that makes it holy. That's just how it is. That's how it works. I think. <laughs> Do you bless everywhere you walk into? That seems excessive. Not everywhere, just the places that's, that are special. The, the side of the family fester is deserving. I, I, I mean, we're going to have ourselves a real hoot out here. At this, the you hear the crew chief yell out, Hey, boss, where you want this big fucker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you're going to want to put that right on over there by that big stage. Um, and I think, yeah, Mercedes just spends a couple more minutes watching the, uh, construction stage happen, and the, uh, they start hoisting the cross up, uh, kind of above the back, like, on the back wall of the stage, up a little bit, so it's not touching the ground, so it's gonna be mounted to the wall, probably, um, and one of the workers, uh, like, their hands slip on the rope, and the cross comes down on the stage and busts a hole in, like, the wooden flooring of the stage. Um, and they... They get it under control, they hoist it up, and they, like, put some cones around the, the busted hole. But, um, Mercedes goes, um, hey, Father, I'm gonna... I'm gonna check that out real quick. Um, and I just yep. scramble up on stage, <laughs> um, and look down there, and there's, um, there's a crawl space under the stage. And it seems empty, but uh, I think I just want that to be the new lead. There was... Th- this is the same stage that was up for the the festival. Sure. Um, and there's a crawl space under here that seems, like, suspicious. Cool. Um, so that's me establishing a new lead. So one thing I noticed in that scene is yes. we all kind of took on... Uh, bigger s- storytelling roles, like... 
describing surroundings. Sure. Is that something that w- it's we general, can kind of It's encourage? what the machine should focus on, but it is what any player can do, especially for, like, flavory stuff. Right. Because, um, like, I just wanted to work the motif in because... Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, we've sort of been toying with that, of just, like, having the clouds obscure the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I think it was great when Jason, as the darling, did that to push sort of an yeah, agenda. Yeah, I hope I didn't right. like no. push too hard because I just made something kind of happen at the end of it. The one and two, establish a new lead. You kind of have to pull some shit out of yeah. thin air. Yeah. So that's totally fine. But, um, you know, since a lead can be a person, a location, or an item, mm-hmm. you don't need to necessarily see it. I, as the shadow, maybe could have taken more of an initiative there and told you a thing mm-hmm. that could help you but I'll also reveal I rolled a four as the shadow which meant that I had to act sketchy yeah which uh, you so did you seemed I was not as uh, that's why I was kind of a dick about Chris yeah and that's also why I wasn't really caring about the metal fest and yeah. just kind of pushing my agenda um, everybody amended their theories yes we're ready for the third scene uh I'll be the darling, Evan is the shadow, and Jason is the machine. We're all rolling this. two different types. I almost put the campground because I thought I could, uh, without going there, I thought I could learn more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, in that case, I'm going to use one we haven't used yet, the flyer for the local camp, the eva- evangelist camp. Um, so, so this is the first scene then where we haven't put a direct character mm-hmm. in conversation. So I'll still choose who... Yeah, the machine still will choose who the shadow portrays. Um, which is kind of always supposed to be, but the darling can kind of overwrite that. Mm-hmm. Um, since I didn't, I picked a location and an item that then falls to the machine to assign you a character, and it can be a new one if it, if none of these make any sense. But it is the case that there will always be a secondary. It, it can never just be the darling and a location with an item. Um, it kind of can, but uh, it's generally discouraged i guess sure. um, okay i would say even if it was like explore location the machine might have it a person exploring with you I or see. a person stumbles in or whatever it might not be as explicit as like you are here to talk to this person which i think is generally the conduct interview or new contact um it's supposed to sort of ramp the idea of the darling is never sure who they can trust and they're always kind of alone, but they're also always within arm's reach of another person, but that person they might not be able to trust. So just more of an unsettling kind of like lonely, but without being alone kind of thing. Got it. Um, Okay. More explicitly for the shadow to not ever have a scene where they're just like not playing. Dead role. (laughs) Yeah. Let's do, let's do a memory. I want to get one of these in here. Okay. Um, So that means... Does that mean the darling is playing the 
I guess I have to be either Mercedes or Chris. You Okay. You could still be Mercedes. I can. Okay. But I don't have to be. Uh-huh. If that was the case, so, it would need to make sense that um, Mercedes is learning this information. Because it's yes. not necessarily like a movie where the audience yes. is learning this. So I'm going to kind of combine the two then. Cool. Um, I think Mercedes realizes exactly what you said, that uh, Father Melvin will not be at the church right now and takes off um, back towards town um, because she knows she has to pick up her mom anyway um, and stops by the church. Um, the church, what did we call the call the church? The Advent of the Christ. Uh, the local church called the Advent of the Christ um, has seen a really big boom, actually, in the past few years. Um, it used to just be one kind of tall, uh, wooden, white-painted building uh, chapel where they held, uh, held their services. Um, but in the past, like, four years, they've modernized a lot. They've purchased some of the uh, land around and, you know, converted some buildings into multi-purpose rooms, and they built a new gymnasium and, like, uh, some new, like, study rooms. The congregation has grown a lot. Um, people in town... It, hypothesize it's because another church uh the pastor of like one of the other bigger churches in the town got caught cheating on his wife and so you know there's just the dynamic of that um so it's been a good few years for pastor melvin um and mercedes pulls up to the church um and goes it's uh it's open there's there's a few people around a few staff members around but nobody um nobody's really guarding the place mercedes walks in and talks to a secretary who points her down the hall to uh, Father Melvin's office, and um, she kicks in the door and like goes in, uh, um, making sure you know quiet enough that nobody really notices. She shuts it again, but it's the latch is definitely broken, huh. and uh, kind of flips through a lot of the paperwork and stuff and finds uh, a cassette tape and a cassette tape player, and plugs it in and sees a video of. Um, so this is, is this a Catholic church? The Catholic Christ? I guess with Father, yeah, probably. Um, there's a shot from within the confession booth. Um, and on one side uh, of the shot, you can see, like, or the closest in the shot, you can see half of Father Melvin's face. And through the little screen, uh, it's just visible uh, Chris on the other side. Um, and so that's the scene we're going to play out, is, is what's happening in this video. Um uh, in that case, you're probably the father. So I'll take Father yes. Melvin. Yes, Father Melvin. Chris. Okay. Uh, and so uh, this is all happening in memory now? Yeah, this is a memory. Or videotape memory at this point. Okay. Yeah. But I like that flavor-wise, because it makes sense how Mercedes can access mm -hmm. a memory that wasn't hers, which is Chris's. Mm -hmm. Um also the super creepy the fact that the father has a video recording of confessions yeah, awesome uh, okay. Chris my boy how are you today uh, I guess I want to ask the machine too oh, sure. um, mm -hmm. how old it is um, weeks okay so this is not like adolescent Chris this no, is like, no this is okay this is so great. Chris. Uh, cool. Father Melvin was lying about not having seen Chris Love recently. Uh, Alright, uh, sorry, can we start again? Chris, my boy, how are you today? I'm, uh, doing okay. Uh, what brings you in, son? 
It's been a while. Yeah, uh, it's, my, my mom's not doing so good. I, I think she's having trouble at work. Uh, there was a, a couple days last week she just forgot to make dinner. Uh, and, you know, Mercedes and I trying to not be a burden, but, uh, it seems kind of clear that uh, we're making things hard for her. I, I don't really know uh, how to how to help her. I see. I'm sorry to hear that. Sandra is a treasured member of this church. Yeah, I knew that the two of you were close, and uh, I can't really come to her with this. Uh, you know, I, we're not as close as we used to be, but that doesn't mean I don't care. Well, son, you know that she loves you, too. It might not always be obvious to you. Well, I, uh, thought that you might have some advice on, uh, I don't know, some kind of, like, extra work I could get, or any way I could make some more money, uh, to help out, to well, help son, my mom. is money what she needs, or does she need your care? Well, I th I think uh, think she'd be fine with the money. Uh, <laughs> I, Wouldn't we all? Yeah, that's why I'm here. Uh, I was just want, like, if you had any kind of like need for you know, manual well, son, labor, uh, or... you know, our our annual gathering is coming up, and we uh, we will need a lot of hands. It's a it's a huge production, and. Uh, we're going to need all the help we can get. Now, uh, typically this is all volunteer work, but in this case, since you're coming to me and you're being honest and forthright with it, uh, I think we could work something out. If you'd be willing to come and lend a hand, I could, let's say, 20 an hour to, to be on site to help out. That that sounds great, Father. I I mean, you know, any, I think anything is really gonna go a long way. I as as long as you know she doesn't lose her job, the, we'll we'll probably be all right. But you know, I'm just worried. I know Mercedes and I are both old enough. We could move out, but we don't have we can't afford it either. So sure, it, sure. Well. Well, I mean, it's it sounds like you're worried about your mother at this point, and, uh, you know, too, the, the weekend ahead of the festival, we'll be doing some organizing here around the church. Um, here, let me just give you this flyer. Uh, Can you do a flyer? Yeah, like slip, slip it through the... It's like a crack in the, yeah, in yeah. the vestibule, I'm not sure, sure what it's called. Cool. Now, this, this shows, uh... A dinner we're going to have the weekend before where all of our volunteers and staff will meet and we'll be discussing what's going to go into the making of of our gathering the following weekend. I'd, I'd love it if you could stop by. It would be really instrumental to making sure that we're all on the same page here. Uh, yeah, I, I grabbed the um, I grabbed the flyer and like I write down like in the margin like twenty dollars an hour, uh, and like fold it up. Uh, and I I go actually, uh, you know what this weekend is, 
a big metal festival out there. Uh, I got oh, son, tickets. I don't want to hear anything about that. If you want this job, I need to know that you are going to be able to commit to it. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll commit to it. Uh, and he just, like, crumples the flyer, like, not folded, mm -hmm. and just, like, shoves it in his jean jacket mm -hmm. pocket and, like, storms out of the booth. Um, and as Chris, uh, the door closes behind Chris... Um, I reach up to turn off the recording device. Uh, before Father Melvin does that, he takes out a little black notebook and just pencils in the name um, Chris Jones. Chris... Christopher Jones. No, Christian Jones. Christian. Christian. There is. <laughs> <laughs> has a name, Christian Jones, and uh, stands up, and the frame freezes as his face is full in full view yeah. of the recorder as he presses the button. Uh, but just behind him, where you could see him sitting before where he was uh, blocking like the wall of the vestibule, uh, there's a little carving into the, into the wall of a moon with some clouds. So I think this is now post-scene... Yes. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and move Father Melvin in towards... So I'm moving in one concentric circle yes. on the play mat, moving him closer. So I would, I guess I would call these levels like one, two, three, and then danger. Mm -hmm. um, Father Melvin is now level two suspect. Yeah. Uh, yes. He's definitely more involved than we thought he my, was. Yeah, and I like that because that... Wasn't anything to do with my theory, but now as I it's changing mm -hmm. and it's like that's this game. Like we have a path to go on now, yeah. um, and that's super cool. So I got to develop information on an existing lead. Um, so the item flyer for local evangelist camp. Uh, I'm gonna add uh, twenty dollars an hour for Chris. Yeah. So now instead of just a recruitment flyer, it has this additional.